Chapter 5 of What is Industrial Democracy by Norman Thomas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by The Progressing America Project. What is Industrial Democracy? Chapter 5 Consumers' Cooperation. In every industrial country except the United States, organization of the workers as producers in trade unions has been closely paralleled by their organization as consumers in consumers' cooperatives. In the United States, the growth of consumers' cooperatives has been least satisfactory. This is probably due to lack of the racial and cultural homogeneity upon which neighborhood cooperatives depend. It is also due to the pioneer individualistic tradition. Chain stores have had a head start in the business of distribution. They can afford to crush the struggling cooperative store, even at a temporary loss to themselves. Nevertheless, even here consumers' cooperatives are by no means negligible. Such cooperatives in this country do business with an annual turnover of about $200 million in the year 1924. Footnote. There are about 3,000 societies, including credit unions, with some 500,000 members. End footnote. The Franklin Cooperative Creamery in Minneapolis is a big and important factor in the city's milk supply. It has established friendly relations with a farmer's producer's cooperative. There have been successful ventures in cooperative housing in various cities. New York has a thriving cooperative cafeteria. All this in addition to the cooperative stores, which in many districts, especially in mining regions and among socially homogeneous groups, have proved a valuable commissariat to the workers. Consumers' cooperation in its modern form was begun by 28 flannel weavers in Rochdale, England, in the year 1844. It was the workers' response to their immediate necessity for freeing themselves from adulteration of goods and an oppressive credit system, maintained by small shopkeepers and the company-owned shops. So wisely did these flannel weavers build that a great international movement of cooperation has arisen on the principles which these men evolved for their own guidance. In Britain alone, cooperation on the Rochdale plan has grown until between three and four million working-class families are organized into cooperative societies. The stores, which are the smallest unit in the cooperative system, are owned and operated by members of the societies on the basis of one man, one vote. They supply goods to meet the needs of their members, usually on the basis of the current market price. On making any purchase, however small, the customer receives a paper or metal voucher stating its amount. At the end of each half year the ascertained surplus is, after payment of the salaries of the manager and shop assistants, of a fixed interest on capital, and of all other expenses, returned to the members in exact proportion to their purchases. In Belgium, this surplus, instead of being redistributed to consumers, is employed in social enterprises which are of benefit to the members. It requires no argument to show that this system is genuinely democratic, that insofar as it is effective, it substitutes production and distribution for use rather than for profit. One of the most interesting things about this movement has been the fact 
that it has grown almost unconsciously without formulation of the theory on which it was based. The Rochdale weavers stated plainly that their principal object was a reorganization of industry which would enable them to provide themselves with employment. That is to say, they were theoretically interested in producers' cooperation at the very moment when their practical need of food led them to establish a system of consumers' cooperation which has been as decisive in its record of success as is the cooperative workshop's record of failure. It has only been in very recent years that in certain quarters, consumers' cooperation has set up a philosophy of complete social reorganization in opposition on the one hand to the state and on the other to organizations of producers. Its slogan, All Power to the Consumers, like the contrasting slogan, All Power to the Producers, we shall consider more fully when we review various theories for the complete attainment of democracy and justice in our economic processes. In practice, nowhere has consumers' cooperation gone so far beyond the distribution of goods, with some limited production of them on farms and in factories, and a number of successful experiments in housing, banking, and insurance. Footnote. An example of cooperative insurance begun by workers is the workmen's circle. End footnote. In short, the cooperative movement has succeeded in substituting use as an incentive in place of profit. It has been democratic in management, proved a valuable training to thousands of working-class consumers in the technique of distribution and production, and brought to the forefront able working-class leaders who can be trusted. End of chapter 5